Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Knife wound. Knife wound, yeah. That's not a bad way to go. Is that good? Are we Do ready I to go? sound mm. good? No, no. That's Marcus. <laughs> I am Ben. With this is always sounding bad. Who is he? Yeah, he's unemployed. Andrew Zabrowski. Unemployed? What happened, man? I thought uh, you were working. No. How'd you get fired again? Uh, well, you know, things have just been going south for me. I know that uh, I'm addicted to hamburgers and the government <laughs> made that... Happened for me, How'd so... How'd the government get you addicted to hamburgers? Because, yeah, they're nice, juicy hamburgers on the commercials, the- and so uh, I'm taking a gun, I'm going to kill my boss. <laughs> I don't... You're making some jumps. You're making some mental jumps. I don't think the government controls those sweet, sizzling beef patties on those McDonald's ads. But, Ben, I've realized it's the only way to get revenge. Spree killing. <laughs> Spree killing part two. And so last week we covered a lot of funny, fun dudes, fun guys doing fun things. Is guys that how you describe the people? Yeah. Is that how you describe Richard Speck? Fun He's guys a, doing fun things, well, raping eight nuns. He turned into a fun guy. I finally sat and watched a doc that you watched because I went after yeah. doing the podcast, I went to go looking. I went to go look for as much of the prison tape as I could find. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't find it except for the clips that you watched. Yeah. And man, he's got a set of perfect tips. <laughs> he really does. Amazingly Heidi perfect. Heidi Klum breath. nipples. They're perfect tits. You just yeah, you want to suck on the little. They're like little Malamars. If you're in prison and you haven't seen a woman for about thirty years, and Richard Speck goes in with a bunch of honkers like that, you can make believe. The worst part was the no dude doubt. sitting next to him in sunglasses, just recoiled like he was on the beach at Ibiza. Oh just yeah, looking at this six-year-old man, and he's just like, "Hey, you got them, uh, you got them blue panties on?" And he's like, "Yeah, you want me to take them off?" And he's like, "Yeah, that'd be all right." <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's just like, uh-huh. a six-year-old uh-huh. man just standing up and going like, hey. Yeah, the dude's just acting like Kid Rock at a strip club, just <laughs> treating Richard Speck like the biggest piece of human meat. Um, really enjoying it. But now we're into some people who are, uh, who are th- th- these are the real deal. We're going to yeah. uh, count down the top well, three, are, but before we get to that, we're yeah, going to Yeah, this is definitely uh, looking at, we're looking at the Bobby Bonillas. That's right. <laughs> Bobby Bonilla, that's a, you know? that's your baseball reference? We're that's your baseball go Howard Johnson 
The Mookie Wilsons. <laughs> the Mookie Wilsons. Uh, this is all I know is Mets from the nineteen from nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty nine. Those are the only baseball players I know. Okay. Last week we went through the first four types of spree killers. Yes. You know we went through uh, your guys who were in it for the fame, guys in it for the revenge, right. guys that are in it for the sex, and now we're at type five, otherwise known as there are days and there are days. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. These are guys that are completely out of touch with the reality. They're most of the time, they go through psychiatric evaluation either before or after. All of these guys were tagged as mental health risks. Cuckoo. A lot of them from the time they were children. And they just let them go. And they, they gave, and literally all of them, like Charles Whitman, our, our big boy that we're going to do up top, he just like literally, to about 15 different people, he said, he's like, you know, it'd be a right good idea just going up in that tower and starting picking people off with a deer rifle. And they're like, here, Charles, you're funny. Now, that's my Charles. favorite Charles Whitman joke. Isn't that great with the tower and the shooting the everybody? Mean, in fact, the uh, exact quote is, person could stand off an army from atop that tower before they got him. <laughs> Friggin'. This is why we bring him around. He always has the good times with the nice thoughts. Again, another great man that we made. All right, yeah, these, are, these are people that, uh, the, the, yeah, so these are uh, the truly cuckoo for cuckoo yeah. And two made in America and two uh, made overseas. So let's get into uh, Mr. Whitman. Mr. Whitman, Charles Whitman, this whole thing happened in 1966 yeah, in Charles Austin, Charles Lucky Whitman. <laughs> Luck my ass. Luck had nothing to do with it. This practice, guy, practice, practice, Henry. <laughs> exactly. This guy was a train killer through and through. He was, at the time, the number one spree killer in America and possibly the world if you don't count wars. That's the thing about all of these is that you can't count wars. Right, right. And uh, all of this. What's this the total... Just, What's the total death count for his, uh, Charles? His total death count was, I believe, 18. It was okay. 18 with a minus, we're going to say, minus his wife and mother and minus the people on the stairs of the bell tower that it was heading, heading up. Okay. Yeah. He he injured quite a deal. But the, the big thing also about Charles Whitman, the world's youngest at the time, Eagle Scout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So he started off really interestingly, only because of his abusive father. When they were together, like the only way they understood each other was that he he would take his boy out shooting, uh, and he was amazing at it. He said, as a matter of fact, that he could shoot the eye out of a squirrel from like fifty yards. Some like ludicrous. Sort of thing. like that Larry Bird story where he said he was throwing coffee beans into coffee cups. But uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different because I don't think he got on the cover of Sports uh, Illustrated. Yep. When uh, Charles Whitman was a U.S. Marine, he received 215 out of 250 possible points on a shooting test and did well when shooting rapidly over long distances and aiming at moving targets. Okay. He's really quite good at this. <laughs> oh, right. And then I, I was also watching a doc on him, too, and that's where they, there was like some other old Marine was like talking about him, and he was just like, and there ain't no better way for a Marine to go out than go up. Showing everybody he could still shoot like a motherfucker. And just like, oh, good. I guess so, That's cool. Yeah. yeah. He could also just die peacefully in his sleep surrounded by his family. Have but. a nice military <laughs> funeral, a nice little uh, 21 gun salute, something like that could be a good way to go out. So, what's his uh, MO? Well, before we get to his MO, I want to make sure that we clarify his body count. He shot 12 from the tower. 
But his overall body count was 18. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, right. he shot 12 from the tower. He shot four in the on his way up to the tower, and he shot his wife and his mother before he got to the tower. Ah, uh, yes. But okay. in order to save them, that's what you guys don't understand, right. <laughs> is that he wanted to save them from embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. He didn't want them to see all the terrible news stories. I feel like I'd say if, it, they loved. if Jackie ever went on a killing spree, I'd just be like, you know what? I can live with the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, that's going to give me good numbers. Yeah, Jackie Zabrowski would go on a wonderful killing spree. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, speaking he, of killing sprees, Marcus has quite an unbelievable video of him uh, shooting a, what is it? A, uh, AR-15. A, an AR-15. Yeah. So when you go on your killing spree, that'll be all over the news. I'll post it <laughs> I'll post it on the page because you can see my maniacal joy. Yeah. Oh, he's after, having a great time. After shooting it. Like just, Indeed. I mean, I'm just laughing and laughing so hard. That's right. Uh, but he climbed up to the top of the bell tower in UT. And before we get into really like his kind of private life, I just want to say, I have been there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I have I have been to the University of Texas to the courtyard where he killed most of his victims. These are I've your seen, people. These are my people. This yeah. is Texas, you know. Right. And I've seen from the uh, links the uh, distance that he shot these people. He was good, huh? My God, and it is terrifying to think that a man is that. Good. Oh yeah, he was he was pulling a Michael Jordan three beat. Yeah, <laughs> like this was his golden moment. This was the moment he was born to do, and he knew it from years before that he was gonna because he kept yeah. saying it. He kept yeah. saying to everyone, "It's like you just go up in that bell tower and start shooting people." He's he'd already ran it through in his brain. I mean, it you know over and over again. Well, he's the only one out of the ones that we're going to talk about today that did not have psychological problems as a child. Okay, at the t- he had a I mean, relatively normal upbringing, especially for uh, Texas at the time. You yeah, know, yeah. His dad was a piece of shit. Yeah, his dad beat him. Yeah, but, but most Texas older men, once you hit forty five. You just slowly turn into a beer guzzling, big hat wearing, you know, shit kicking clod stomper. Sure. You know what? I'd take it back. Me and Henry, me and you can share this one. He grew up in Florida. What? Oh, yeah. This is the Florida guy. Yeah. Florida created Mr. Charles Whitman. He, Very where did he interesting. Grow up in Florida. West Palm Beach. Whoa, where the Mets train. Mookie Wilson. <laughs> uh-huh. Mookie Wilson spent some time there. <laughs> Howard yeah. Johnson spent some time there. He was a popular guy, uh-huh. moderately intelligent. Sure. Pretty normal. The only trouble he really got into uh, leading up to this, because a lot of these guys have uh, criminal records, the only trouble that he got into was he, uh, when he was in college, him and a couple of buddies went out, they shot a deer, they brought it back to their dorm, and they tried cleaning it in their dorm showers. Well, that's that is just, just goofy. That's yeah. redneck pranks. Yeah, yeah that's that just redneck. Neck prank. And when he was in uh, in the Marines, he got into trouble for gambling. Okay. Uh, he got he had a little got bit off some steam. Yeah, he, he got into trouble for usury. Uh, I mean, that's usury? kind of hardcore. That's like yeah. that's What's a biblical usury? front. That is that's uh, that's lending money f- and looking for interest. Yeah, that, that's lending money in an unethical manner. Meaning, if you don't what give me every my every bank does. If you yeah, don't, no, well, it's what the Bible did to do a slight to a certain race of people ah, that um, I will go, that have been much maligned over time. Right, right. And I right, won't right, say right. Jews, Jews. Oh, I thought it was the Scandinavians. <laughs> not the Scandinavians. Uh, okay. It's essentially say it's a like the modern day version of it is uh if you don't have my thirty dollars by Friday, I'm gonna break your pinky. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love my yeah. pinky. Yeah, I'll just I'm have gonna your money. take you up to the top of the University of Texas's bell tower, sure. and I'm gonna use you as a gun and throw you at people from the bell tower. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you could so- take out a lot of people if you threw me. Yeah. Yes. Like a whole 
A whole other big man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I four guess four kids. Yeah, maybe four kids. First of yeah. all, it's me getting you up and That's throwing a lot you of like work. a spear, and yeah. I don't got that kind of time. No, no, ain't no. nobody got time for that. I know. <laughs> it's tough. So after uh, years and years of doing various things, he was a student at UT very briefly. Okay, uh, but couldn't quite hack it. After this, in in the weeks and months and possibly years leading up to the shootings, he started getting these blinding headaches. Okay. My head. It's killing me! And it's like after a while, it's yeah. going to make you start connecting every single thing that happens into your life that while you're having a headache is going to make you mad. And then when you're not having a headache and you still see Kathy and Kathy coming in, she's just like, oh, Charles, they dropped one of the eggs. And you're just like, my head is killing me! <laughs> and he goes to a few different doctors and he tells them, listen, I have these blinding headaches. I'm starting to have very aggressive thoughts. I'm right. worried that I might do something. We well, definitely slapped his wife around the first couple times. That was the thing. He met his oh, lovely I, during wife, the Kathy. What, during? No. Well, I think, I mean, they were probably happening at the time. I know it's like, as soon as they got together, she was like his dream woman. Right. And then he, uh, he immediately started like barking on her. I mean, they were yeah. married for four years before the uh, massacre happened. They yeah. married in 62. Mm, okay. At the same time, I just really feel like, like, ladies, men, if your significant other starts screaming about his headaches if he and talking about how act, he's going to go to the top of the tower, just try yeah. to stop him. If he starts <laughs> to act like, Je- like Jeff Goldblum in the movie The Fly, just get out of there. Yeah, do he's going to turn into a killer. In the morning. It's not good. I mean, sure, he'll be strong for a couple of nights, and you can grab a strong man back and ride it, and it's hot, and it's steamy. <laughs> but he's but a killer. Still, he's a killer. A real... You're going to get it, woman. You're going <laughs> to die. So the day before the shootings, Whitman went out, bought a pair of binoculars and a knife from a hardware store, okay. some spam from 7-Eleven. Hell yeah. Yep. Picked up his wife. making cookies later. That's spam. That's spam. What did he say? Oh, Pam. Pam. He bought spam. <laughs> spam, yeah. So spam is what fueled this you killing said, spree. You thought that he went and bought a bottle of Pam? I don't know what he's <laughs> oiling like a up. a bunch of spray butter? Why not? <laughs> what would he use it for? I don't. I, the other day, I put some Pam on some bread, grilled it right up. It tasted okay. That's <laughs> disgusting. It was sad, but who cares? We're not here to judge me. We're talking about Charles Whitman. But I heard what he was going to do is he's going to use the Pam to spray up the courtyard in front of the bell tower. That would have been amazing. Before he decided to start shooting people, he's like, I'm going to make the world's slippiest, slipperiest courtyard. Yes, this will be the funniest spree killing ever. Oh, banana peels. That would be quite amazing. As many whoopee cushions as a man can fart upon. So, that's a sad time to kill a person after they just sat on a whoopee cushion. Yeah. So he goes, he picks up his wife. They go and hang out with some of their friends that afternoon. He uh, drops off his wife at her night shift, and this is when he pins his suicide note. Okay. Yes, and I love this letter. He really does well. It, it, you could really hear it all in this. Um, so should I begin? Yeah, read begin. That reading. <laughs> is that a vocal warm-up for you? <laughs> I don't think that's a theatrical vocal warm-up. Well, we don't have any recordings of Charles Whitman's voice, so we really have no way of knowing what he actually sounded like. Interesting. Sunday, July 31st. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was the other problem. It was this tiny, teeny yeah. voice. Big man, tiny voice. 6.45 p.m. I don't quite understand what it is that compels me to type this letter. Perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions I have recently performed. I don't really understand myself these days. 
I'm supposed to be an average, reasonable, and intelligent young man. However, lately, I can't recall when it started, I've been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly recur, and it requires a tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful and progressive tasks. Mm -hmm. In March, when my parents made a physical break, I noticed a great deal of stress. I consulted a Dr. Hachram at the University Health Center and asked him to recommend someone that I could consult with about some psychiatric disorders I felt I had. Right. I talked with the doctor once for about two hours and tried to convey to him my fears that I felt come overwhelming, violent impulses. After one session, I never saw the doctor again. I wonder why. I don't know. I mean, but what doctor just releases him after all that? I mean, a scared doctor. A doctor looking out for number one, which I understand. I think it's a doctor who came in at 4.57. The doctor was off work at 5. He's like, you got three minutes. You got three minutes. So you, you know, got well, unconventional violent thoughts. Okay, I got to go. And you're soon. fine. Just get on out of here. Office clothes. Take some aspirin. Medical records indicate that he just gave him some Valium. Perfect. That's actually a very good thing. He should have had that. That's great. uh, He should have been having that 24-7 because if he was asleep, he wouldn't have been killing (laughs) everyone. That's right. Get him on the drip. Um, And since I have been fighting my mental turmoil alone and seemingly to no avail, after my death, I wish that an autopsy would be performed on me to see if there is any visible physical disorder. I've had some tremendous headaches in the past (laughs) and have consumed two large bottles of Excedrin in the past three months. It was after much thought. Little yellow. Little. <laughs> well, this is not an advertisement for Excedrin. Little yellow, different. different. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with 
horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. It was after much thought that I decided to kill my wife, Kathy. Tonight, after I pick her up from work at the telephone company, Charles, hey, honey, have you maybe we shouldn't this? think so much, <laughs> honey? I couldn't help but notice that you are—you drew my face on a target. Mm, yes, and honey. I don't appreciate I'm it. So, about you, you we're gonna have dinner with you with Jim and Pam. I've been thinking a lot about you lately, honey. I love her dearly, and she has been as fine a wife to me as any man could ever hope to have. I cannot rationally pinpoint any specific reason for doing this. I don't know whether it is selfishness or if I don't want her to have to face the embarrassment my actions would surely cause her. I bet you she could have dealt with the embarrassment. She could have been fine. <laughs> yeah, she There's a lot alive. of stuff you can do when you're alive. She might not have loved him. She might be happy that he's dead. Yeah. At this time, though, the prominent reason in my mind is that I truly do not consider this world worth living in and am prepared to die, and I do not want to leave her to suffer alone in it. I intend to kill her as painlessly as possible. He stabbed her like 15 times. Yeah, he's like sort of a hero, but then not at all a hero. Same thing with his mama. Yeah. Similar reasons provoke me to take my mother's life as well also. I don't think the poor woman has ever enjoyed life as she is entitled to. I will she crawl w- back inside of her and eat my way out. And eat my way out. Mm, I heard that the uterus is chewy like bubblegum. Yeah, that's true, actually. She was a simple young woman who married a very possessive and dominating man all my life as a boy until I ran away from home to join the Marine Corps. So I'm just happy to be nothing like my dad. I'm nothing like my father. So then he... So what happens here is that... Two people showed up. A handwritten addendum after he wrote this. He killed. He went. He killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Which he, well, didn't he like? He brought her home, right? Yeah. He killed his wife by stabbing her a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Then, um, like while he was writing this letter, uh, friends came over and hung right. out with him, and they said the only unusual thing is that he had the typewriter out in the living room. 
But otherwise, we had a fairly pleasant conversation. That's nice. You know, and they, they, they just talked to me. He got him off. And then he says, he writes, Friends interrupted, August 1st, 1966. Monday, 3 a.m., both dead. I was a witness to her being beaten at least once a month. Then when she shook, took enough, my father wanted to fight to keep her below her usual standard of living. Imagine, I imagine it appears that I brutally killed both of my loved ones. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it does, just a yeah, fact. Dead, so. I was only trying to do a quick, thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, please see that all the worthless checks I wrote this weekend are made good. It's this, like you, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice colonial pen commercial. Please pay off my debts. I'm 25 years old, and I've been financially independent. That's more than Holden McNeely's got to say. That's right. Holden from the round table. <laughs> Donate the rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe research can prevent further tragedies of this type. Charles Jumpy Whitman. He went Give jumpy. Our, it's Jay, so I think uh, okay. it's I think his middle name was Jumpy. I think so. Give our dog to my in-laws, please. Tell them Kathy loved Scotchy very much. <laughs> very nice. Extremely concerned about the dog. I'm happy he didn't kill the dog. Yes. He so does he, have a heart. Yeah, and the rest of, and then he wrote a letter that he put next to his mom's corpse, if you want me to read it as well. Yeah, what do you, I mean, yeah, what's the point of that one? To whom it may concern. Well, your mother. I have just taken my mother's life. I am very upset over having done it. However, I feel if there is a heaven, she is definitely there now. If not, I guess she's fucked. <laughs> That's not a very nice letter, Charles. And if there is no life after, I have relieved her of her suffering here on earth. The intense hatred I feel for my father is beyond description. My mother gave that man the 25 best years of her life, and because she finally took enough of his beatings, humiliation, and degradation, and tribulations, that I am sure no one but she and he will ever know to leave him. He has chosen to treat her like a slut that you would bed down with, accept her favors, and threw a pittance in return. I am truly sorry that this is the only way I could see to relieve her sufferings, but I think it was best. Charles, say three nice things about your mother. She's got a she's got a strong back, she's got a beaten <laughs> stomach, and she's got a winking eye. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> let there be no doubt in your mind I love that woman with all of my heart. Jeez. If there exists a God, let him understand my actions and judge me accordingly. Charles Jumpy Whitman. I still don't fully understand. He killed her because she was beat? I mean, it's got to be bizarre. He killed her. I mean, he's Slightly just, worse than his father. Yes. You yeah. know, because he, like, killed he her. He stabbed her a bunch. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, he uh, finally finished all this up about 3 a.m. The next day, he went out to the Austin Rental Company and rented a hand truck. It's work day. Big hand truck, because he's got a lot of shit to got take with him. a lot of him. packages. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff. He's like a fun little Santa. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he went over to a hardware store. He purchased a universal M1 carbine. Pretty okay. badass gun. Uh, just... Rifle, hunting is rifle. That standard, is that a Marine gun or is that a hunting rifle? Marine gun at the time was an M16. Cool. Yeah, uh, that's a hunting rifle. Uh, eight boxes of ammunition. Told him he's going out hunt wild hogs. Oh, very <laughs> interesting. Is. Yeah, indeed. Then he went to Chuck. Pig. I've seen the ladies in Texas. Uh, UT, <laughs> yeah. hello. And then oh, he went how to- are you, Samantha? <laughs> it's nice to meet you. I'm going to biology class. Oh, man, you're so fucking hot. <laughs> He then drove to Chuck's gun shop where he purchased four more magazines. Hey, welcome to Chuck's gun shop. Uh, How can I help you? Yeah, I like someone that helps me. I just want to show them all, man. Upsell this guy. Upsell (laughs) him on the better rifles. This guy's looking to buy. 
<laughs> he bought six more boxes of ammunition and a can of gun cleaning solvent. He then went to Sears, where he purchased a Sears Model 60 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun, and then went back on home. And a nice dresser set as well. Yeah. That's one thing he doesn't mention in that. Then a bunch s- of plus-size brassiers. This <laughs> is interesting, yeah. Then he sawed off the barrel of a 12-gauge shotgun, packed the women along with a Remington 706-millimeter bolt-action hunting rifle, a 35-caliber pump rifle, a 30-caliber carbine, a 9-millimeter Luger pistol, a Gallica Brescia 25-caliber pistol, and a Smith & Wesson M19 357 mag- Magnum revolver, 700 rounds of ammunition, all into his footlocker. He already packed food, coffee, vitamins, dexedrine, exedrine, Earplugs, jugs of water, matches, lighter fluid, rope, binoculars, a machete, three knives, a transistor radio, toilet paper, a razor, and a bottle of deodorant. So he was prepared. <laughs> Ready for Y2K, acting like Antonio Banderas in the movie Desperado. Yeah, and he did all this before 11 a.m. Wow, also that's add, amazing. I, look at us. We barely get a podcast done. It just now turned 11. Wow, we're we've just, done nothing gonna, with our day. <laughs> I've had four cups of coffee in about 25 minutes. You know, one of the wow. other thing is, um, the, the thing about Charles Whitman is that he was really hopped up on Dexedrine. Yeah, he was um, really, like, he was that just did on not weed. help his headaches what at all. What's the point of Dexedrine? What does that do? It's like, it was beatnik uppers. It's like what oh, Jack okay. Kerouac did, and that's why he saw fireworks in the sky and reminded him of his friends. Because him and his friends were all going, hey, buddy, hey, I was going to, uh, yeah, man, no, get, listen, I wrote, this, I wrote this poem, I wrote this poem, it's on the sidewalk. Hey, he's like, oh, he's like, you're so flat, you're so flat sometimes, ah, uh, plants, 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 plants go out of sidewalks. Sometimes you, know, you walk up with your feet, feet got shoes, feet got shoes, feet attached to legs, you got hips. Oh. Chatty friends. Very smart chatty And you wonder friends. why they're all just not good by 40. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's like the brains just, are gone. Done. All right. So he's got all these things. And Charles Take, Whitman is 25, too. He's young. What he's were crying. you doing when you were 25? I wasn't going to towers sniping a bunch of kids, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I was a total loser. <laughs> I no ambition, no goals in life. So he gets on campus by showing a fake ID permit as a research equipment, says he was delivering equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was like, yeah, I've got, you know, all these boxes over here that I got to deliver. So he wheels the dolly. You wouldn't happen to have any f- Advil or something, would you? <laughs> Get it together, Charles. Get it together. You're losing it, man. <laughs> Acting like Johnny Depp in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he's hanging out at the fucking carnival tripping nuts. Yep. And so he goes uh, up to the tower and he tries pressing the elevator and the elevator's not working. I'm gonna take it's the like stairs. a Jason Alexander movie. Yeah. Dunson checks in. Uh, yeah, yes. the monkey movie. <laughs> the monkey movie. When does the monkey get shot in the head in that movie? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it goes to University of Texas to study biology. Movie. I want to find the movie that's brave enough to start shooting monkeys in the head. Dunstan checks out. Yeah, yeah. If, they're like, if they're like people, yeah. you know? Might as well. But Vera Palmer, a very helpful University of Texas employee, said, well, it looks like it ain't powered on. Let me turn that on for you. Oh, and, this is, so he's the real person that yeah. caused the murder at oh, the University then, of Texas. Yeah, he also like he also told JFK, he's like, you know, you should la- you should keep the hood down. It's, it's hot, hot in Texas. It's hot in Texas. People would love to see your face. Big old, big old, big old round in Irish Germany head. In Germany in 1932. It's like, I would say that painting is not as good as it could be. I think that mm. he needs to maybe do some more independent study before we let him into school. I think if you just put your hand like real sharp at like a 75 degree angle, people might respond to that. They might I like that, just the hand movement, but I don't know much anyway. So after Vera turned on the elevator, Whitman says to her, 
You don't know how happy that makes me. Yeah, that's so scary. <laughs> oh, man, you know just another future massacre I caused, that's all. You could just hear it in his voice, too, because of his face, because he looks like he looks like a block of Wisconsin cheese. Like his, He's got one of those like long tube heads, like he's a full American, where it's like his like buzz cut just sits on the top of his fucking cylinder-like head, and he's just like, you have no idea how happy that makes me. And you oh, repeated Rick. it, how happy that makes me. How happy that makes I'm happy me. It makes How happy me. that makes me. How happy that makes me. Oh, right. So he's in the <laughs> elevator. So it's at this. Yeah, he goes up to the 27th floor. Of course, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the clock tower observation deck. And he starts lugging all of his shit up the stairs. And this is when the public killing starts. Yes. Okay. This is when he just starts attacking anyone that he sees. The first one is an old woman. He fucking hits her in the face with the butt of his rifle, and then he hits her again when she gets on the floor and smashes her fucking skull open. Yeah. Drags so he her behind actually shoot her. Grabs, no. Drags her behind wow. a couch. Okay. Yeah. He, and then he goes up the stairs. Mm-hmm. He gets up there and then it's a fucking family. He's just going like they're going to go see the bell tower. And Cheryl like, Botson, Daddy, Don Walton. Daddy, 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 I want to go see the bell tower. And he's just right. like, if you just shut your goddamn mouth for a second, we're going to get up to the tower. You are making my head explode, son. Um, and then mm, when does. he got up to the observation deck, there was two people up there. And Whitman had the gun in his hand. And uh, one of the guys says that he thought he was Whitman was there to shoot pigeons. Sure, yeah. And they exchanged brief pleasantries, and then the couple left. Oh, okay. Man, that's all you have. That's why, instead of just screaming, flipping out... Be nice to the man with the gun. Yeah. Just yeah. be like, oh, so you're shooting pigeons, you help him. He'll be like, yeah, yeah, shooting pigeons, all right. And he's like, well, I'll be seeing you, buddy. You know, it's like, well, that's you can get thing. it in and out. I mean, when you tell Whitman, like, shooting pigeons, he's like, well, that, you know, that guy sees how I see the people. You know, <laughs> yeah. This is large pigeons. He gets me. He, he understands. Get out of here. I like, the, I like the way you, I like the cut of your jib. Right. They're just, they're <laughs> get on out Walking pigeons. That's what I call them. Little can't fly pigeons. And so then he barricades the stairs to make sure nobody can get in. Right. But he sees a couple of uh, two families coming up the stairs, try to get to the observation deck. And they start looking through the uh, barricade, try to see what's going on. And Daddy, I want to go outside. Some losers barred up the door to think he's out there, Daddy. Uh, and that's when Whitman put a shotgun through the hole and blasted him in the head and instantly killed him. All right, very good. Yeah, sounds. Uh, and happy he, that kid's dead. Yeah, he shot. T- he shot uh, two kids. He shot. Uh, they were a sixteen and eighteen. Uh, he shot and killed one. Uh, and then shot another one who got knocked unconscious. Uh, he fired the sawed off three more times through the gates. He wounded uh, the mother in the head, uh, one of the mothers in the head, and then he killed Marguerite Lamport with a shot to the chest. Okay. And that's, this is when the real killing dun, 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 That's dun, the story dun, dun, of America. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> He's just all excited. This is his moment to shine. This That's is just right. his moment, man. And this he, is his so you think you can right, dance so what, moment. Yeah. yeah. So what what does he do here? So, he, so just, he operates the entire time on the old sniper rule, one shot, one kill. Okay. He does not shoot anyone once they fall into the ground. After they fall into the ground, leaves them be. He's like, either they're dead or they're not. And then I don't he, care. He spread his guns all around the entire uh, watchtower so that he would just go pick up a gun, shoot, run to the other point of the... Uh, Watchtower, pick up another gun and shoot to the point where like that American the, Gladiators game. Yes, <laughs> and then like literally because it when the police showed up, they thought that there was four snipers up there. Oh, okay, because he was shooting from all sides 
of the. He was a pro. Right. This right. guy was finely tuned killing machine made by the American government. That's right. There's nothing I love better than when the beautiful toys of war that we make come back and haunt us mm-hmm. because it's like good work, guys. Yeah. You did it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good work. Him. Yeah, he's great at it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, his first victim uh, was an 18 year old girl. Eight months pregnant. Yeah, he shot her right through the belly. That, that was a big thing. Is that that he two victims or one victim? Two victims. That's two, two victims. victims. Okay. I think they actually only count. If if we're counting two victims, I think it's 13. Okay. I actually, no, I think he just killed the baby. She lived. He just killed the baby. He purposely shot the, the stomach. Uh, that's, that's how good right. he was, yes. huh? Wow. Yeah, and yeah, then he the shot the boyfriend lived. when he went to go help her. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Yep. Good and enough to kill a when, baby in utero. And this Pretty is remarkable. when he just starts picking people off, shooting guys in the back, shooting some people in the arm. Right. And uh, he's shooting people that are going out to help. And some of the people are saying, it's like, you know, that was the day when you knew. One guy said, like, that was the day uh, that you figure out whether you're a hero or a coward. And I'm a coward. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't go out to help. Of course there's, not. I'm not going no, out. Are you crazy? No it's raining help. bullets. No, there was just one story. Two guys were talking about how they were running through the courtyard. Bullets were like flying all around him, like mm-hmm. grabbing a dude. Thank God another a car pulled up in the middle thing. I was getting riddled with bullets. And they like put it they put a body in the back of the car and he died by the time they got away. They only killed one officer. Mm-hmm. And then they were saying before. Okay. What yeah, was he a, killed a basketball coach from a distance of a quarter mile. How yeah. long was all this going on for him? Uh, it's just an hour, right? The whole thing uh, happened. Let's see here. He was shooting off for about fifteen minutes before okay. the cops were even called. So when the cops I mean, that came, was bef- I mean, his first initial shooting. People had no idea what the fuck was going on. It was one of those. He was shooting people from so far away that you just were, you were just seeing people fall. Yeah, right, it's right, like right, right. what the fuck is happening? People's arms are just exploding. Like yeah. you might hear like a, p- but. It wasn't, people just had no, no fucking clue was on or where the shots were coming from. He was from. totally right about the bell tower. It was exactly what he needed to be. It's where he needed to be in order to do what he wanted to do. Right. But, um, so basically, this is also a great story of, like, when the cops started showing up, the big thing about them is that they just have rifles. They, they have guns. They have handguns. So they can't reach him where he is. So they want to call, the cops showed up. They're like, what the fuck do we do? And this is just an example of, like, all of Austin, Texas was like, Let's get our guns, boys. Mm-hmm. And they all went and got their high-powered deer rifles and came back to the scene and then started pinning Whitman down by shooting at him. Like, all of all of the, the NRA right, came right. and protected themselves. Um, and basically because the cops had no communication amongst themselves. This was before they had any sort of, like, mm-hmm. walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. They uh, Three cops independently decided to be like, well, we're going to take them out. And so they 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 snuck underneath. They they ran him through gunfire to the bell tower. And there were sayings like three different dudes and one civilian got to the bell tower and on different points of the of the of the building walked went in different entrances and all showed up on the same floor. The floor below the floor below the uh, the actual observation deck. Right. And they're all like they all came out of elevators like <laughs> like pointing guns at each <laughs> yeah, other yeah, like yeah. almost immediately killing each other. And before that, I mean hell they even brought out an airplane like they and he started yeah, shooting at the right. airplane yeah they brought out an airplane with a police sharpshooter in it but the turbulence was just too much, too much. and they could never get a shot on him and you know Whitman just started so how did he uh, how did he end up uh, getting taken out well three officers right. went in there their names were Ramiro Martinez Jerry Day and right. the hero of the day 
Houston McCoy. Houston he, he McCoy. He was the most affected by it, too. They said, because yeah. like, yeah. he was a deeply religious man, and he was like, he was really fucked up by what he had to do. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely, because they were, you know, they saw all of these bodies right. on their way up. All right. Uh, so Martinez, followed closely by McCoy, proceeded north on the east deck, while Day, followed by Crum, proceeded west on the south deck with the intention of encircling Whitman, mm-hmm. trying to get him on both sides. Several feet before he reached the southwest corner, Crum, who was a civilian, All right. accidentally shot his rifle. Off. More, that happens. Yeah. That'll happen. Yeah, you can't just let Bumbly Crum in there, and he's just like, I never shot a goose. You know, mm. I just, I, I wore, I got bells on my boots. <laughs> bells on his boots? That's my problem. Well, I'll that's scare all the you. birds away. That's <laughs> sad for yeah. me. And so when he jumped, when uh, Whitman turns to look at Crumb one way, one of the other guys, Martinez, he sh- jumps out of the shadows and shoots at Whitman six times. He empties out his thirty-eight at Whitman. Uh-huh. Misses every single ah, shot. Come on, you got to hit him with one of those. And you got to be in the clutch. You got to. And that is when Houston McCoy jumps out and just unloads both barrels of a 12-gauge shotgun right into the motherfucker's head, chest, and arms. Oh, all right. Boom. Dead. Houston McCoy, savior of the day. And this really introduced the idea of a spree killer to America. I mean, we had the Stark with Charles Charles Starkweather, and we had other Mm -hmm. people, but this was the first guy to show uh, all of the country his rage yeah, uh, and right. became a poster boy for this and then turned into the post office killings and then turned into what we have now, which yeah. is by the time we got to Virginia Tech, the, right. when the Virginia Tech shooting happened, there were four other shootings that week yeah. at various universities and offices. Yeah, universities came uh, became quite a battleground there. No, uh, Charles for, Whitman was the Benjamin Franklin of American crime. Like, this is a guy who was, like, sure. inventing a new way to do shit. Yeah. He was it, the Michael Jackson. Yeah, this is sort of his moonwalk situation. <laughs> really <laughs> changed the face of uh, And violence by the way, forever. they did do the autopsy on his body after he was killed, and they found a pretty big fucking tumor in his yeah, brain. Yeah, a big, ah, big tumor in the center a tumor. of his brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it a tumor. It was a tumor. It was a tumor. It was. It was. Kindergarten cop, that movie could have ended much better had uh, Arnold gone up to a small uh, sniper uh, stand and just <laughs> shot all those kids. So I think the, that maybe I could have actually been a tumor. I think it's a tumor. Let's yeah. Go, let, yeah, let's do, let's go do uh, America's number one spree killing of all time. Uh, also took place at a university, the University of Virginia Tech. Yeah, Marcus Sung Quistin. Cho. Now, Sung Cho. Now, this guy, um, this is a horrible case. This is a thing that's like you can see this type of person happening all over the country. If you, if you, if you go to school in America, you see these people all the time. Sung extremely Cho was introverted. Extremely introverted. What they found out when Sung Cho was a child, when they found out when he was growing up, is that he suffered from this thing called selective mutivism. Okay. Which is the idea that he. Which is just being like super, 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 super shy. Yeah, and he right. only speaks like four people. There was a lot of people who basically figured that he probably only spoke with. He probably spoke like uh, 200 words in his lifetime. Right, right, like right. Like he right. barely spoke. Yeah. And so w- basically what happened is that led up until he had a lot of different. Uh, it, it a lot of different social problems for mm-hmm. forever until he got to his senior year of uh, being a, at Virginia Tech. Went in there to be a uh, IT guy, mm-hmm. and of he course. excelled in that because basically, as he got through high school, using medication and therapy, they were like, "Okay, well, he's breaking him out of his shell," and he's like, "I don't want, I don't want to do." 
I don't want to do this therapy no more. Mm-hmm. I want to go. So his father's to- like Guatemala. And I will also say this about this. That's why I believe that the Hong Kong Henry Zabrowski persona uh-huh. is taking back. It's a friendlier form of the Asian. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, this right, is right, an right. outgoing. When I, he likes the people. He right. rocks to talk and be with the people. Sure, he has right. a girlfriend. <laughs> Hong Kong you Henry know? Zabrowski has a girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> she very big. Biggest girl in China. That's a good thing for Oh, China. I like when she got the rice berry. <laughs> the rice berry. She's got a rice belly. Interesting. And, oh, I see. Rice belly. Uh, the thing is, is that Sung Cho's voice is funnier than any mm. voice we do could we possibly do yeah. for So him. this is we're gonna yeah, start let's... we're gonna start at the ending, which is the videos that he made after he killed uh he killed a girl, her name was I believe it was Elise Hirsch. Elise um, Hirsch. Uh, and he killed her and her roommate. There was a lot of speculation. What was her? What is her name? Uh, Hilsher. It was Emily Hilsher, uh, and he killed her roommate. And mm. there was a lot of suspicion for a while that maybe that it was it was because she was his ex girlfriend, and that right. is no, absolutely no, no. not true. No, um, because he invented a number of fake personas that he said were like friends of his. Like basically, he said that he had a fake girlfriend. He told his right. like roommate that he had an imaginary girlfriend who called him. Uh, I believe it was Snacky. Would called him as a nickname Snacky, Snacky, and then he Cho? started calling himself Question Mark in class right. and stuff like that. Yeah, and this was this final impersonation, the final character he played, like Henry Zabrowski. Uh-huh. He played a character named Axe Ishmael. I do and like this Axe was Ishmael. after he killed uh, uh, Emily and her roommate, he made this video right. to send to NBC. I didn't have to do this. I could have left. I could have fled. But no, I will no longer run. It's not for me. For my children. For my brothers and sisters. The chief... Whoa. It did it for them. You had a hundred billion chances and ways to have avoided today, but you decided to spill my blood. You forced me into a corner and gave me only one option. The decision was yours. Now you have blood on your hands that will never wash off. You sadistic stops. I may be nothing but a piece of <laughs> You have vandalized my heart, raised my soul, and torched my conscience. You thought it was one pathetic void life you were extinguishing. Thanks to you. I die, like Jesus Christ, to inspire generations of the weak and the defenseless people. Do you know what it feels like to be spit on your face and have trash shoved down your throat? Do you know what it feels like to dig your own grave? Do you know what it feels like to have your throat snatched from ear to ear? Do you know what it feels like to be torched alive? Do you know what it feels like to be humiliated and be impaled, impaled upon on a cross? And left to bleed to death for your amusement. This is like kids I played magic with. You have with. never felt a single ounce of pain your whole life. Did you want to inject as much misery in our lives as you can, just because you can? You had everything you wanted. Your Mercedes wasn't enough, you brats. Your golden necklaces weren't enough, you snobs. Your trust fund wasn't enough. He grew up in a your half a million dollar house. Enough. All your debaucheries weren't enough. Those weren't enough to fulfill your hedonistic needs. You had everything. You just loved crucifying me. You loved inducing cancer in my head, terrorizing my heart, and raping my soul all this time. When the time came, I did it. I had to. All right, well, that's, I'm happy he didn't talk very much, because when he did, it was very disturbing. It, it sounded a, awful. That is a man who does not have practice with public speaking. He had no. a beautiful singing voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a that. dream. Oh, gorgeous. Now, that's a if better... If only they knew. 
Yeah, um, that, but this that, is fuck that Susan Boyle story. So basically, show on American Idol that would have been something. This is a very similar breakdown to what happened with another all star, um, Adolf Hitler, who uh-huh. um, was a. The, Basically, he went through his whole life never being able to express himself. People would ask him questions, and they would talk about. They would interview his friends in elementary school, friends, quote unquote, people who sat next to him in elementary school, right. and they were like, he never said a single word. But the other, everyone also said was the thing about him is that he was totally anonymous. No one made fun of him. Like he never he was had, fine. He was totally fine. Nobody bullied him. He grew up in a totally normal Korean household, which is just like it's very silent. And that they were talking to his elderly grandmother, who was sitting in a puddle of spit, smoking like a four yard long cigarette. Sure, who was like. <laughs> talking and she was like being quiet in like Korean culture is like really respectable right. and his dad was also super shy so they just thought he was fine mm. and then I mean they, they just didn't care I mean they didn't no. care it's just a different well, type of parenting and just a real quick side note for those of you I think a lot of Americans know but people outside of the United States if you don't know who Sung Cho is he killed 32 people in one day it's yeah, the number 32. one it's the number one spree killing to ever happen in American soil yeah. he was also, and number three worldwide but he was also a little Shakespeare can we read his uh, one of his well, well, I want to just set it up for the fact that, like, what had happened with him was that he he couldn't express himself, couldn't do anything. He gets to college, right? right. And when we're in college, we all discover a lot of things about ourselves. Sure. Yeah. I started smoking weed. We had a great time, you know. You know, I don't just, like sucking a bunch of dicks, you know. I didn't uh, enjoy that uh, freshman... Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, what are we talking about? Uh, yeah. So beards are scratchy. Beards are scratchy. Scratch. I learned that too. Yeah, I hate the way their balls smell. Whoa, yeah, that you learn that. And- um, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should... Share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. 
Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner and it helps your team make their point and move faster because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So he went and he was going to be an IT guy and he was doing fine in school. Like he was never even a great student. He was, he was just a like, terrible he student. was fine. He was whatever. And he was an idiot. He finally took a creative writing class. That's right. And he was like, this is it. Life He's calling. like, I can finally, this is it. I can sit. It's an introvert's way of expression, mm-hmm. expressing themselves. He's like, I can sit in a room. I can write. He's like, this is, he went home that Christmas, his freshman year of Virginia Tech. Perfect. And he's like, mom, dad, I'm going to write a romantic novel. Isn't that and nice? they're like, sure. You'll do great at it. <laughs> I guess that's whatever. You Everyone know, whatever described it is. you as romantic. So he wrote a bunch of it, brought it to the head of the creative writing program at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. And she's like, this is not you are not 
a writer. Some people <laughs> you know? have a calling to be a writer. And so then he proceeded to write all of this shit. I don't know if you right. also read his poem. Do you want to start with his poem, Spear Me Down? Oh, I can start with that. Yeah, let's yes. So this was, this I is what he wrote. I want to hear him read it. Yeah, I would, yeah, I mean, I wish Cho God would knows. Be alive. It would take 25 minutes. But oh. he wrote this poem in his creative writing class. It's called Spare Me Down, Heaven. Okay. This thing, my life, all in agony of hell of torture. Really good impression. And years of bludgeoning torment, not tiny nuisances. Thank you. The disgust eyes, dirty frowns, and red fingers pointing at me, feeling all the patheticness and humiliation. What time is right to abort the null existence and retire from sick lifeblood? And yet feelings, thwarted by sun's beams ready to attack, averted by smiling faces ready to rape. Come, I wish to annihilate myself. If this wasn't true in my plaguing conscience... But Jesus Christ! Another day comes tomorrow, a shade better than present. If I can imagine a day anew, like a newborn or an old dying, when nothing is everything and everything is nothing, and all is mere shutting of eyelids. Good Christ! Rip me apart, tear me to shrivels, eat me to help me see a better day's worth and salvage this decaying thing from myself. Yeah, he's better than Morrison. <laughs> That's actually that wasn't that bad. I that like really with wasn't the newborn and just, old dead. Like, it's that's just good. very, you know, it's very. He feels very sorry for himself because he finally can express himself, oh, yeah. and now he's just like, I'm ready to be a hippy dippy. I'm ready to be with the kids. He's now. not a cool guy. But you know, it's very is, difficult. That, but that's what he was. And then he started calling himself question mark, which and, would work. You would, yeah. you would assume he could probably get some pussy. His, his professor found him his behavior quote. Menacing. Yes, and then he said he made a Facebook page for his question mark persona, okay. in which he said that he lived in room six 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 of the sixth floor of Cathan Hall, which there didn't exist. There was only five floors of Cathan Hall, right. and everyone's just like. And he would talk about his imaginary girlfriend all the time, and that they, they would it started escalating when he would show up in women's rooms with his baseball hat on and his like sunglasses over his face, and that's what he started doing where he started to like hide himself, right. and then he'd like walk into women's room and be like, "What's up?" Name's question mark. And they'd be like, uh, who are you? And then he'd go and he, like, he became, his roommate became his confidant and he would like tell him all this stuff and he'd be like, bro, that's like not chill, man. It's not chill at all. he was just all. like, no, no, I went to, uh, I went in there. I went in there to see if their souls were cool. Like literally that's what he yeah. said to him. Whoa. And he's just like, bro, that's not what you do, man. You fucking he was going through hang a bad phase, out with them, you know? man. He was really going through a bad phase. Not he, a cool guy. And he, also, cool. he also did really weird things like he would listen to the song Shine by Collective Soul over and oh, over. Oh, that's, that's the worst thing it's done. Over and over what and over a, and over imagine again. This, just this wouldn't roommate stop situation being like just calling your parents. And he's like, yeah, he's a quiet like Asian kid, which is like fine. But then he listens to... You know that song Shine by Collective Soul? That really shitty fucking band? He calls band. himself Question Mark, which is just like uh, the worst weird. fake menacing nickname of all time. And then and then he started calling, and then the, for the final moments he called himself Axe Ishmael. And there was a lot of right. debate as to what Axe Ishmael meant. But so, Probably not much, it's the, the sad thing. Let's, um... Yeah, let's read some of this work. Let's begin some mass to be theater. Well, the only piece that we'll read for you guys today, it's a little play by the name of 
Richard McBeef. Now, this is um, one of the sadly rejected pieces that uh, that got him to be where he is today right. in the grave. Yeah. It is interesting. Hitler was a failed artist, and now, of course, he, this, this is the equivalent of a Hitler Also, painting, we found was one in- interesting detail of his crimes is that he chained up all the doors, and there's a lot of talk about how like he may have had a couple of dry runs because they found chains mm-hmm. on doors without the campus weeks leading up to it, and that he would write, uh, he wrote a note in all of them saying, like, if you try to open these doors, the uh, building will explode. Oh. Yeah. That was part of what kept people inside. He was very, like, he planned this out. He did it well. Meticulously. He also went to two different gun shops, and he recorded all those videos in two different hotel rooms that he rented. So, Richard McBeef, the cast of characters. Richard McBeef, stepfather, 40. Sue, mother, 40. John, son, 13. The setting, a living room, a basement, and a car. Oh, my. He's got the formatting down. Yeah. Act one, scene one. It is morning. The sun is shining through the windows of the kitchen. John enters the kitchen, grabs a cereal bar, and opens it. That's disgusting. Richard McBeef is sitting in the kitchen with his legs crossed, reading the newspaper. Hey, John. He forces a smile at him. What's up, dick? He frowns. Try dad. You ain't my dad and you know it, you dick. John chews on the cereal bar angrily. Come on, John, sit down. We need to have a man-to-man talk. Richard pulls a chair next to him from under the table. Man-to-man up your ass, bud! John sneers, then proceeds to the living room and turns on the TV. the TV. Richard follows him, sits down, and faces him. I may not be your biological father, but I'm your new father. We live under the same roof. We really need to get along. Come on, son, give me a chance. Richard gently rests his hand on John's lap. What the hell are you doing? John slaps Richard's hand. What are you, a Catholic priest? I will not be molested by an aging, balding, overweight, pedophilic stepdad named Dick. Get your hands off me, you sicko. Damn you, you Catholic priest. Just stop it, Michael Jackson. Let me guess, you have a pet named Dick at Neverland Ranch and you want me to go with you to pet him, right? He sighs and ignores the comment. Uh, what is what is it you want from me? I mean, what do you... What do you want me to do? Why are you so angry at me? Why am I so angry at you? Because you murdered my father so you could get into my mom's pants. Now hold on right there, mister. It was a boating accident. I did everything I could to try to save your father. Bullshit. Are you always full of shit, McBeef? (laughs) I can see that you are by the extra fat you have packed on. You murdered my father and covered it up. You committed a conspiracy, just like what the government has done to John Lennon and Marilyn Monroe. What what? 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 Frowning, he catches a glimpse of an old tabloid titled The Cover-Up of Marilyn Monroe and John Lennon. You once worked for the government. As a janitor, at least. You hated the fact that my mom was with my dad. You knew my mom was too good for my father. So you took him out and you stole her, you son of a bitch. No, Dick! You shut the hell up and you listen to me. You what? You want me to stick this remote control up your ass, buddy? You ain't even worth it, man. This remote was five bucks. You're such a- No, that's enough! Richard that's enough! raises his hand to strike his stepson, but before he does, John's mom comes down the stairs. Oh my god, what's going on? 
She covers and hugs John and ushers him to the other end of the couch. What are you doing to my son? You said you would have a nice chat to get on terms with him, and this is what I catch you do? What kind of stepfather are you? Pretending to be nice to him with a fake smile on your chubby face. Tell me, what were you trying to do to him? You were about to hit him. Damn you, Richard. He was. I don't want to hear it. Sue tells John to go up to his room, but he observes the spectacle halfway up the staircase. I, I swear, Sue, I tried talking to him. He called me a son of a... How bi- dare you! John would never, never say such a thing. My poor little pooey-pooey boy. He <laughs> lost his father just a month ago. Show some compassion, some stepfather. He tried to touch my privates. Holy shit! Oops. <laughs> Sorry, John. Dick, you son of a bit. <laughs> she peeks at John. She approaches Richard and slaps Richard in the head multiple times. Taking off her shoes, she hits him hard. He, Su- he brushes Sue with his with large, large arm, arm and build. <laughs> Sue, 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 listen to me. The manner in girth frightens her. Oh my God, what are you trying to do? Are you going to hit me too? She cowers and runs into the kitchen. She grabs the first thing she can, which is a plate. Stay back. Stay back, or I'll... She throws the plate, shattering squarely on his forehead. But he is unmoved. Whoa! You fat piece of pork! John, go to your room and lock it! She runs down to the basement. Are you a bisexual psycho rapist murderer? Please stop following me! Don't kill me! She throws wrenches and pipes lying on the ground at him, but he is unhurt! I didn't even do anything, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll stop following you. He stopped with his hands in the air. He kneels. She throws a few more heavy objects at him. Let me explain. John is a rambunctious, uh, pubescent boy. Oh my god, you are a pedophile! No! No, honey poo! Honey poo? Honey poo, don't you believe me? John is just a mischievous kid who's having trouble getting over his father's death. He'll get over it. He just needs time. Really? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Now why don't we go to the bedroom and do it doggy style? Just the way you like it, honey poo. In his room, he smiles and throws darts on the target that is the face of Richard. I hate him. Must kill Dick. Must kill Dick. Dick must die. Kill Dick. Richard McBeef. What kind of name is that? What an asshole name. I don't like it. Look at his face. What an asshole face. I don't like his face at all. You don't think I can kill you, Dick? You don't think I can kill you? Gotcha. Got one eye, got the other eye. He runs down to the basement by his mother's side. That fat man murdered Dad. He told me so while you were asleep, Mom. And he molested me. What? Ah! (laughs) She grabs a chainsaw and brandishes it at Richard. He runs out of the house and into his car. 30 minutes later, John goes out to Richard and sits on the passenger side, eating a cereal bar. I wonder why it's so sunny out. Today is one fruity day. John stares squarely at Richard with a contemptuous look who is sitting with a flushed face. Guess what, Dick? You want to know something? You want to know why I don't like you? Because you can't provide for my mom. You barely make the minimum wage, man. All you do for mom is all that honey poo shit. Honey poo! Honey poo! (laughs) You piece of shit. You were a janitor one time. You're a one-time truck driver. <laughs> you taught preschool kids for two months. And now you're, you are what you like to call yourself a chef, what the rest of the world calls hamburger flipper. 
back where you came from, the pinnacle of your career was when you were a pro football player. How long did that last? Three weeks? <laughs> You're over the hills, buster. <laughs> Just look at yourself. All fat and lazy. Only for that. T- only if you were smart enough to stay in the league. You wouldn't be like this. A former player. No wonder your name is McPork. <laughs> I mean McBeef. <laughs> While the guys were packing on muscles, you were packing on McDonald's fat. Chowing down on three Big Macs in three minutes. You wanted me to call you dad? Okay, hey dad, you are such an asshole. Asshole of assholes, dad. And that's for you banging my mom? Looks like that lasted as long as your pathetic career, you prematurely ejaculating piece of dick shit. Sucks for you, you motherfucking McBeef. How dare you talk to your stepfather like that? Eat this, you giant tree trunk piece of ass. John sticks his half-eaten banana cereal bar in his stepfather's mouth and attempts to shove it down his throat. He pushes John away and takes out the cereal bar. Fuck you, Dad. (laughs) Out of sheer desecrated hurt and anger, Richard lifts his large arms and swings a deadly blow at the 13-year-old boy. A fiend. Lights out. The end. That is brilliant. That shit escalates. He didn't make it. No, no, John dies. McBeef wins. I can't believe Sung Cho is not a regular Neil Simon. I mean, that's the thing. It is kind of an interesting script. It's an interesting twist. You think John is going to kill Richard, but Richard kills John. Intriguing. Yeah, the other, and the other one, the dude, the main dude, dies as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, he was. He always knew that he was a. He's a bit of. You know the song "Beautiful Loser." Mm. It's opposite of that. Ugly loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got. To, I mean, we've kind of run out of time here, but yeah. I mean, the guys. Uh, Sung Cho's number three. Uh, numbers two and one. That's Martin Bryant and Anders Breivik. Martin Bryant was the same kind of guy as Cho. Very quickly, same kind of guy as Cho. His mother described him as extremely annoying and aggravating. <laughs> He never had any friends his entire life. Social workers were just saying, like, he will never live a normal life. He will have to be under his parents' care his entire life. His only friend, as far as we can tell throughout his entire life, was Was a a mattress named Mackie. That's not a bad name for a mattress. (laughs) Well, we can spray painted smile on it. And yeah, you know, just let's not just brush over these guys. Let's just, I mean, we don't have to do a third episode, but we can come back to him at a later time because right now we just covered two American college killers. So we can, I mean, unless you just want to. Because these guys are also great. I mean, yeah, both of these guys. I mean, it's it, they're number one and number two. Yeah, I well, feel for a reason. I mean, got, for yeah, number yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lars Olson. It's who's number one. He's doing <laughs> right. great. It's Anders Breivik. All right. <laughs> Andre, yeah, he killed seventy-seven. Yeah, he's the, world champion. The other one's like Martin Bryan. And just to give you a little preview for him, uh, his uh, the last thing he said before he started shooting people was. There sure are a lot of wasps out today. Isn't that interesting? That's a, all right. And he was Australian, so it was a shout out to all wasps out today. This was the guy who shot that 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 really that the historical like park right over yeah, the Port national Arthur. park. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a tourist attraction, and there are conspiracy theories that he was not the actual shooter. Yes, don't go to parks and don't go to college. And I blame you, Australians out there. Whoa! And also, I don't go you. to camps because that's where Anders Breivik did, did his. Stay yeah, inside. Stay inside. Just stay Watch cable. Pack on that McDonald's fat. Yeah, get that McPork McBeef. (laughs) Yeah, because Anders Breivik, he is the only one, as far as I know, that playing dead did not work. 
Oh yeah. no, he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't falling for that old bullshit. Nope. No, he was just shooting everybody ninety times. Yeah. He had all the time in the world. He was in the middle of an island. He was on an island. Yeah. Oh, if, he, yeah. if he didn't see blood, he was shooting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he just got done with the tennis championship after getting out of clock making university. You have a different idea <laughs> of what they do in Norway. Huh? All right. Well, that's the story of Whitman and Mr. Cho. And uh, that, that needs to be an odd couple. That needs to be a team. If you're having violent Whitman thoughts, Mr. like Joe. literally tell someone. I'm going to just it, it, tell somebody. Tell a lot of people. It might be a like, tumor. Don't stop at one. Tell just, everybody. Just tell a lot yeah. of people about yeah. it. Tell them through bullets. No. no! What? All right. Magustalations. Hail me. Hail Gein. Hail Satan. And of course, hail yourselves, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.